So in order to be able to create something ourselves, not in partnership with a manufacturer, and in order to be able to kind of produce it in you know, very low volumes for pilot testing, we basically were relying on simple 3D printed plastic enclosure with you know, a single circuit board that we designed uh, on the inside. And then we were using magnets to attach that to these headbands that we found on Amazon. It looked sort of like a bar of soap on your forehead. Definitely not pretty, but it did the job. My name's Aaron Bromberg. I'm the CEO of STEM Science. This is Code Story, the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Laphart, and today how Aaron Bromberg built a dream team to translate and personalize neuroscience into consumer devices. All this and more on Code Story. Aaron Bromberg is living the dad life outside of tech. His kids are 11 and 13, so he wants to spend as much time with them before they get too cool to hang out with their parents. He likes to cook, and during the pandemic, he got really into pizza making, even to the point of calculating dough hydration ratios. Previously, he was working as a management consultant, but spending his time reading about electronics. He took that as a sign that he was more of a gadget guy and joined Bose. Post that, he worked on the product lines at Amazon, like tablets and smart speakers. Aaron put together a dream team of neuroscientists to execute a sleep study lab for three years. After that time, what they realized was that with a short brain stimulation session before bedtime, they can drastically improve the time it takes to go to sleep and the entire sleep cycle itself. They charged ahead to build a product to make this happen and do so in a personalized way. This is the creation story of STEM science and Somni. STEM science has a mission to translate advances in neuroscience into everyday consumer devices, starting with sleep. So the company actually has a dream team of neuroscientists behind it. I'm not in the dream team category, I'm the product guy, but the neuroscience team is really the genesis of the company. Our co-founder, Ram Gurumurthy, he was thinking about the applications of non-invasive brain stimulation and was speaking with some professors at UC Berkeley who are now our science advisors. That team includes Dr. Matthew Walker, who's an incredibly well-known sleep scientist. He wrote a bestseller called Why We Sleep that if you haven't read it, uh, you should. It's a really great book that explains how important sleep is. In addition to Dr. Walker, we have Dr. Robert Knight, a very well-known cognitive researcher, and Dr. Richard Ivory, who's a preeminent non-invasive brain stimulation expert. What this team realized is that we could actually use uh, advances in non-invasive brain stimulation to directly modulate brain activity in order to promote sleep. And so that was the genesis of the company, was starting out operating a sleep lab in Berkeley and bringing participants in and running experiments to try to determine the effects of 
brain stimulation uh, on their sleep. And we spent three plus years doing sleep studies to try to understand exactly the response that we would see when um, doing these different types of experiments and different types of brain stimulation. After you know three plus years of sleep studies, what we realized is that with a 15 minute personalized stim session at bedtime, not only can we cut the time that it takes to fall asleep in half, but we can actually improve the quality of that whole night's sleep by more than any sleeping pill, which is a huge deal. Like, I'm not sure whether uh, you or your listeners have ever spent much time thinking about sleep, but we've thought about it a lot, of course. And um, it really is fundamental to every aspect of mental and physical health. So lack of sleep has been directly linked to increased risk of dementia and Alzheimer's disease, increased risk of type 2 diabetes, increased risk of injury, and of course, just generally increased uh, you know, bad mood, negative anxiety, uh, and lower memory retention, cognitive performance, et cetera, et cetera. If you can improve sleep for the hundreds of millions of people that struggle with sleep, you can really move the needle on public health. And so that's what we're doing. So from those studies, then, I understand that you've come up with a product. So tell me a little bit about that product, Somni. So our first product is, is called Somni, uh, S-O-M-N-E-E. Uh, you can learn more about it at trysomni.com. And what it is is it's an electronic headband that you can use at home at bedtime. You put it on. And it has a built-in EEG sensor, which is the type of sensor that is used in every sleep lab in the world to read your brain state. And with that sensor, we can detect your unique sleep pattern that your brain makes uh, as you're getting drowsy. And then once we read that pattern, it has a built-in stimulation electrode that allows us to use a very low, gentle electrical current to stimulate and promote at precisely that brain pattern in order to improve your sleep. So you put this on at bedtime, you get a 15-minute personalized stim session. It's personalized because it's detecting your unique pattern and playing it back in a way that optimally promotes sleep. And at the end of the 15 minutes, if you don't want to sleep with the headband on, you can take it off and put it on your bedstand and just go to sleep and it'll still have all of the benefits of uh, cutting the time that it takes to fall asleep and cutting the amount of tossing and turning that you'll do uh, overnight. But what we found in a lot of our pilot studies is that there's a bunch of people that actually prefer to sleep with it on because it can track their sleep and they know kind of how it's performing and what's going on overnight. And then there's another set of people that just fall asleep during the STEM session because it's relaxing and it's bedtime. And so we designed the product to be super comfortable um, so that you could sleep with it on all night if you choose to. You know, what I normally ask is, you know, tell me about the MVP, right? So that first product you built, the, the minimum viable product, the first version, how long did it take you to build and what sort of tools did you use? Did you extract from the sleep studies or use from a technology standpoint to bring it to life? In the hardware world, you know, the equivalent to a, a software MVP is a functional prototype. So uh, we built a functional prototype that 
is functional in the sense that it does what we want it to do. It, it replicates the experiments that we are running in the sleep lab, but it doesn't look anything like we wanted it to look. So in order to be able to create something ourselves, not in partnership with a manufacturer, and in order to be able to kind of produce it in you know, very low volumes for pilot testing, we basically were relying on simple 3D printed plastic enclosure with you know, a single circuit board that we designed uh, on the inside. And then we were using magnets to attach that to these headbands that we found on Amazon. It looked sort of like a bar of soap on your forehead. Definitely not pretty, but it did the job in the sense that we were able to create 150 of those and share them with real volunteer customers um, here in the Bay Area in order to validate that this was something that people could use at home. They could follow the program and experience the benefits. In any MVP, right, you've got to make certain decisions and trade-offs. Um, and in a functional prototype, I assume it's the same same thing. So you've got your bar of soap and you've got your Amazon band. Tell me about some of the decisions you had to make and trade-offs you had to make in creating that early functional prototype and how you coped with those decisions. As I kind of was suggesting, the biggest trade-off was to um, comfort. In creating that initial prototype, you know, in addition to just using kind of off-the-shelf headbands and things like that, we had to design it to be just a single-sided circuit board, which is the simplest way to produce and design a circuit board, but it's bigger uh, in terms of footprint, in terms of area, than if you were to uh, design a more complex, well-designed, two-sided circuit board. And as a result, when we kind of finished creating it, we quickly realized that it was too uncomfortable to expect most people to sleep with it on overnight. Even though for the pilot that we were running, we really wanted to be able to measure folks sleep over the whole night in order to validate the science, things like that. And so what we ended up doing was buying everyone that participated a Fitbit sleep tracker to use so that we could use that as a secondary source of, um, of data and validation. Needless to say, you know, we've changed almost everything about the physical design, the mechanical design of the product um, between then and the Somni product that we're announcing now. It's way more comfortable and way smaller. Tell me about that product progression, right? That maturation, going from the, the bar of soap and the band to what you have today, how you prioritized and created essentially a roadmap to this current day and, and, and you know, how you went about deciding, okay, this is the next most important thing to build, to make more elegant or to address with Somni. I challenged my team when we were starting out to uh, create Somni to be more like a, a piece of sleepwear than like a wearable device. When they were designing the product, you know, separate from the prototype that I described, when they were designing the product, they started out with a design that included layers of silk and, you know, comfortable padding that surround the electronics. So if you put it on, it really does look like a fashionable headband. It doesn't look like, you know, a gadget um, by any stretch. That was really the 
priority for us was let's you know work backwards from that vision of sleepwear rather than just working forwards from this you know Barroso prototype that I described and then figure out how to adapt the electronic design in order to fit that vision. And um, the team did a tremendous job. Our, our electrical engineer and our mechanical engineer reduced the size of the electronics by 75% so that it all fits very easily across you know, all sorts of different people's uh, foreheads and um, head sizes, and, um, and it's super comfortable. Speaking of, you know, the team you've been mentioning, how did you go about building your team? And, and you know, what did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you? You know, everybody talks about the great resignation and, you know, how everyone's sort of changing priorities um, coming out of the pandemic. I think that we've really benefited from that in a lot of ways because one of the changes that I think a lot of people are experiencing is they're just more interested in working on products that are related to, to health and wellness. Um, and people are more focused on sleep than, than they ever have been in the past because uh, we're spending so much time at home and you know, a lot of us are struggling with sleep uh, as a result of you know, everything that's going on. The number one thing that I look for when hiring folks is mission alignment. You know, I don't think you can really do a great job at a startup unless you foundationally believe in the mission of what we're trying to do. And we've been lucky to, you know, because we're working on a sleep product and because we're associated with Matthew Walker and a lot of people have read his book and believe strongly in the importance of sleep, we've been lucky to find a team of missionaries that are all super aligned around this mission of helping people to sleep better. Beyond that, you know, I personally love working with people that are sort of early in their career and super high growth. We've built a, a great team of people that are, you know, a good mix of some experienced old farts like myself and other people that are experienced but relatively early career and uh, excited to learn and highly motivated to, um, to just knock the cover off the ball with this first product. I'm gonna ask a question about scalability and I know it's hardware, I know it's a product and there's plenty of options around scalability and how you, know, you, can, you can scale your team, you can scale the product. But tell me about how you're approaching scalability for Somni. You know, are you going to be sort of fighting and changing the product as you grow? Or have you designed it to be scalable from day one? For hardware products, a big part of the um, challenge and expense of designing a product is getting the manufacturing process right. And so we are right now spending a ton of time talking to our manufacturing partner and making sure that the design is scalable so that you know not only can we create one perfect one but that we can do that you know a thousand times a day and not have them be any different once you get that recipe right you got to be really reticent to 
change it because you risk having to, you know, incur additional expense in, in retooling or um, resetting the, the manufacturing process. So we're going to try to get as much leverage out of the product uh, design as we can. The good news is we've designed it in a lot of ways so that um, it's sort of modular and lends itself to being able to be reused over time. So for example, the expensive parts of Somni are the electronics. The electronics module is, is totally separable from the silk band. So, you know, that gives us some scalability because if a customer uses their product for a year and then ends up wanting to change out their silk band because it got dirty or whatever, then it's not too expensive for us to be able to let that customer do it. So, you know, in general, we see a great opportunity to stick with this current design for um, a good long while. And of course, we'll, we'll listen to customer feedback once we launch it. And if we have to adapt it or see opportunities to improve it over time, we will. So in, in, the, in terms of you know, the manufacturing process, right? You've got kind of traditional manufacturing, you've got additive manufacturing. It sounds like you, you guys tinkered with that a little bit in the beginning. How much, how much of that has carried over into the manufacturing process or has it switched to more traditional manufacturing? I'm, I, that sparked my interest when you were talking about the manufacturing process. I would say that um, a 3D printing and a lot of the sort of more new and novel additive manufacturing approaches are just incredibly valuable to startups like us when we're in the design phase. We've benefited from them tremendously. The main way that we have applied those techniques is to be able to get the design simplified and rock solid enough that it's ready for more traditional mass production. It's still not at the point where a startup like us can actually benefit cost-wise or design-wise from trying to scale up something like mass-produced 3D prints or mass-produced uh, you know, additive parts. It's also the case that for us, the electronics are in some ways not the most complicated part of what we're doing. You know, like the, the firmware and the software um, and the algorithms that we have to to personalize the STEM sessions is really the most valuable piece of what we're doing. So we wanna get the hardware as, um, as simple and straightforward as we can and focus all of our efforts on making sure that the software and firmware is unbelievably valuable. Well, there's a ton to be proud of in what you're building, but you know, as you step out on the balcony, look across all of it, what are you most proud of? I mean, definitely the, the customer impact. So we've run this at-home pilot study for a few months. It's over 1,500 nights of sleep data. We have one pilot participant. He's a veteran that struggles with sleep due to PTSD. He told me that, you know, since using Somni, he's been exercising every day, lost weight, and he feels 10 years younger all due to a better night's sleep. And so, and there are, you know, a number of stories like that. I have another beta participant that couldn't wait to pull out her phone and show me her sleep score for before and after she was using Somni. And she said she just couldn't believe 
how well uh, she's been sleeping. And we have a number of testimonials now up on our our website, but you know that's definitely the most rewarding part of what we're doing is hearing from customers that you know this has improved their lives. It's improved my life too, by the way. You know, I struggled with sleep for years, and um, now you know uh, everyone assumes that startup CEOs uh, don't get any sleep, but I'm sleeping better than I ever have. <laughs> I would imagine so. You're drinking the Kool Aid. Let's let's flip the script a little bit then. So so tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. I think early on we underestimated the importance of human factors, specifically physical factors. Like I think we just underestimated the degree to which um, it was going to be a challenge to have something that was wearable that adapted to all sorts of different head sizes. The product has a bunch of sensors and electrodes that require, you know, good contact uh, with the skin in order to work. And people's foreheads are, you know, highly variable. And I don't think we spend enough time thinking about just how challenging it would be to design something that could adapt to all those different things. And so, you know, in our, our latest design, in the design of Somni, we really went back to the drawing board. And like I said, we reduced the size of the electronics so that it can fit people with you know, very low hairlines, smaller foreheads. And then we built all of the electrodes and sensors onto flexible circuits so that it could really easily conform to people with either bigger or smaller heads. I think that was just a, a big learning curve for us in the design of the product. So what does the future look like for Somni, uh, for STEM science, and for your team? In the short term, we're incredibly excited about the launch of Somni. It's, it's just going on pre-order um, in the coming weeks here, and I expect that it's going to help millions of people to improve their sleep, and in so doing, it's going to improve millions of lives. Um, so we're going to be laser focused on Somni for the short and medium term. But I also think that we're at the very beginning of a trend towards personalized electronic medicine. And so I think of Somni as almost like electronic ambient. It's like a, a sleeping pill, except it's way, way safer and it's way, way more effective because it's personalized to your individual brain state. And so if Somni's electronic ambient, I'd love to, in the future, uh, have STEM Science launch electronic Adderall, electronic Prozac, electronic treatments for other neurological conditions like Parkinson's or Alzheimer's disease. So I think of STEM Science as being really one of the driving forces in this trend towards you know, personalized electronic medicine for neuroscience. Let's switch to you, Aaron. So who influences the way that you work? Name a person you look up to, why? You know, I've been lucky to work at some amazing founder-led companies, Bose and Amazon, when uh, Dr. Bose and, and Jeff Bezos were, uh, were in charge. And Dr. Bose, when he was the chairman of Bose, had a saying painted on the wall of his office, which was, in order to be better, you have to be different. That statement, I mean, deeply influenced my approach to business and, and 
product development. And so I always think about with whatever I'm working on, is it differentiated in the right ways, meaning the ways that you know deeply matter to, to customers. Um, so for Somni, for example, there are a ton of great sleep trackers, a lot of different form factors. And if you want to track your sleep, you know, I think most customers would say they're pretty well served by the available options. And so it was really important when we started out developing Somni that we didn't spend a ton of time thinking about how to be the best sleep tracker in the world. It'll track your sleep, but it's fundamentally different and better than sleep trackers because it's a sleep fixer, not a sleep tracker. Another big influence at Amazon was uh, my former manager, Greg Zare, who's not as well known as, as Jeff Bezos or, uh, or Dr. Bose, but he's a legend in Silicon Valley hardware product development. And he drilled into me that uh, you should always work on the hard part first. Always tackle the, the scientific development, the research, and the invention risks before focusing on the, you know, quote unquote fun parts around branding or business model or pricing or, you know, product positioning or even, you know, aesthetic design or industrial design. I've taken that approach to heart and really pushed back on the team when we were, you know, maybe interested in talking about the business or what's the website going to look like and tried to keep everybody focused at first on really shoring up the science and making sure that our technique is backed by science and that we're confident it's going to work. Well, we talked about a mistake earlier, but a little bit different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do differently? Or where would you consider taking a different approach? And you can take that in Somni or you can take that anywhere you want to take. I guess if I had to change something, you know, I think I would probably have been more public about what we're building along the way. It's not like we were keeping it super, super secret. You know, we weren't operating under a cone of silence by any means, but we kind of just wanted to get the design right and get to the point where we felt like we had something to share before going out and publicizing it. And I think in hindsight, the community that is interested in Somni and STEM science, they're so excited for it. I think they really would have enjoyed getting more of a behind the scenes look as we were going at aspects of the process. And so, you know, I wish that we would have spent more time engaging that community along the way and, and talking about, you know, the challenges we were overcoming and the, the iterations of the design, things like that. Okay, Aaron, last question. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. Maybe it's, maybe it's a piece of hardware. Maybe it's software. I, I don't know. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? Enjoy the ride. You know, there's nothing more rewarding and impactful than creating something from nothing. And it's a privilege to be an entrepreneur and be able to do what we do. But it takes a long time, longer than you think. And uh, there are tons of ups and downs. So the only way to make it 
really, is to celebrate the little wins and milestones along the way and to, you know, treat all the mistakes and setbacks that inevitably occur like a necessary part of the journey, not like, you know, disasters, even though sometimes they feel that way. I try to encourage everyone on my team and I try to remind myself uh, all the time to just enjoy the ride. That's fantastic. And make sure to sleep well. (laughs) I like that one. I like that throw in at the end. Well, Aaron, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling me the creation story of STEM science and of Somni. Thank you, Noah. It was really a joy to be here. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. Support the show on patreon.com slash codestory for just five to ten bucks a month. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.